Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, back together. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, Hour 2, lunchtime, bean time, strap on the feed bag, put a few shrimp on the Barbie, whatever it is. Maybe for those of you diehards, yeah, smoking and barbecue. Yeah, you know who you are. Uh-huh. Probably started at 5 a.m. with this 50-degree temperature happening. Oh, well, so much to talk about. We have one more hour. Uh, stay tuned at 1 o'clock. We have Rick Edelman coming up next. A good afternoon here on KMOX, the business of family business at 3. We go on to the 5 o'clock, the KMOX Auto Show, Greg Damon, and then all sorts of things. We round out the day, of course. Johnny Rabbit, Route 66, 9 p.m., right here on KMOX. Well, some industry happenings around. Uh, we just had what we call uh, a KBiz or um, the IBS International Builder Show uh, down in warm weather. Uh, so anyway, uh, a good bit of folks from uh, the Mosby Building Arts team went down to stay sharp, see what's happening, what the trends are, what products are out there. You know, think of us as the... Uh, research and of what's new, uh, what's ready for prime time, and what's not quite ready for prime time. So a few things that happened in uh, Las Vegas, if you will. And, you know, here are some of the things. I'll, I'll give you the top five in just a minute. But some of the things that we're seeing is, you know, there's still something that's old that's still good and something new that's still developing. And you'll recognize them when we get to them. Phone lines are open for you. 314-436-7900. Toll-free 800-925-1120. I have some great questions on the line. I mean, already. So <laughs> this is a good show. Well, Well, let me put it this way. I'm going to have a great time on this show. Hopefully, you can come along with me. Uh, University of Camwex, a few more seats in the classroom. We've got some pretty smart uh, uh, teachers and instructors that are calling in, uh, especially Ed uh, Nods. Kudos. Um, uh, thank you to Ed for a great idea for John removing his rubber back carpet. Those of you that have the stuff, you know who you are. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Stay tuned. Call once. Call often. Vote early. Vote often. We love it right here on the Helitech Home Improvement Show and the Basement Foundation Repair. Uh, now, back to the kitchen and bath industry show. Uh, it was in January, which we're still there. Rustic finishes and materials are holding strong. So the rustic, if you think, you know, uh, everything rustic, you know, barred wood accents, walls, distressed cabinets, gray washes, if you know what a wash is, where you have maybe a wood grain, wood stain, or paint, and then you kind of wash, literally wipe, uh, kind of a faux finish, F-A-U-X, faux finish, which is a French word for fake. So you apply a coating over the other, gives it a little bit of a historical permanence. We start feeling a little bit like yesteryear. And then if you think about as well, some of the washed paints, if you think of aging paint on older structures, but it's it's still sealed tight and in really good shape, you can get the charm and appeal of an old structure with new paint. So that's kind of interesting on that. Also, out with the old, in with the new. Mixed colors, colors, finishes, metals, heavy, eclectic look. I feel as visible at the show. Everything was there. Here you go. Mixing cobalt blue, we call it Mosby blue, cobalt blue with brushed gold. 
It was showcased at True Booth. Yeah, kind of bold colors are back, bright accent colors, uh, bright apron sinks. Yeah, so you remember the uh, kitchen sinks, getting some wild colors in that. That's interesting. And uh, all is new and old together. Art Deco. Yeah, mid-century modern. You folks know who you are. MCM, as we call it, mid-century modern homes, 1950s and 60s homes. Um, think of Leave it to Beaver, the Jetsons, all of that stuff back then, thinking, oh, this is what it's going to be like in the future. Art Deco is back, black and gold. <laughs> Mizzou fans, yeah, yeah. Fight Tigers, old Mizzou, you bet. Brush gold, brass emerges, key accent with black. Also a nod to modern and sleek options. European influence comes through, all sorts of that stuff. And even more, mixing the modern, sleek with the rustic pieces. So think in terms of putting that all together. And here's the one that might surprise you, but maybe not. Alexa, voice-actuated home automation. Yep. Alexa will turn on your oven, set it to 350 degrees. So home automation is, uh, just can't stop it. Home automation is happening. Uh, if you notice, uh, home security systems that plug and play. So do-it-yourself type things are growing because uh, there's there's kind of two tiers. One is go to the store, buy the stuff or online, whatever, plug it in, let it sync up with the Wi-Fi and gain the benefit of that. And so uh, really it's, it's something that you can kind of do. Your, but for really performance stuff, then that takes a little bit more of a stronger uh, CPU or processor or computer to drive this stuff. And you get into full home automation, it'll drop the blinds, it'll turn the lights on and off. It knows when you get home, it'll interface with your phone. But anyway, keep in mind, touchless faucets and or faucets that can measure or fill the sink via voice. So all that stuff is still coming, still popular, still out there. So all that from the KBiz, we call it Kitchen and Bath Industry Show, KBIS. So that's for our all our uh, kitchen and bath certified designers. That's our kind of thing. So it's a subset. And then for the IBS, which is uh, likewise the same show but kind of a co-op thing, the International Builders Show. So if you want to know where I keep up on all this foam, the products, the surfaces, the finishes, and the colors, there it is. It's the... My coworkers, if you will, or associates that I get to work with at Mosby Building, pretty sharp people. Anyway, stay tuned for more. We've got some great, I promise, I promise we've got some great questions. Good topics right here for you, University of KMOX, at your service. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Oh, yeah, so much to talk about. So many things locked in a corner here with beautiful sunshine outside. Yeah, it's nice outside. <laughs> but we're having more fun indoors right here today, KMOX. For those of you, maybe you are taking us with you out around running errands with the kids, doing lawn work. Oh, yeah, picking up all those sticks and goodies and getting the house ready. Oh, so much. Let's see what's happening here. Let's start with Tom. Tom, welcome to KMOX. Thanks for lunch here. How can I help? Uh, three quickies. I uh, moved into a, a new condo that is still under warranty, and I don't even know if these three things are even repairable. One is a a chip in the concrete uh, at the at the front porch. So I don't know what's going to look worse in four or five years. Try to repair it or just leave it alone. Yeah. The other is um, I have some creaking floors uh, that is carpeted, and my basement is finished, so there's no access to it. Mm -hmm. um, and third is the uh, 
the uh, pipe expansion contraction noises on the hot water, and then the the, the uh, ductwork in the furnace, the same thing, expansion contraction noises. Yeah. Any uh, of those repairable? Uh, the least of all, they are all repairable. Uh, it's how much pain you need to go through. The chip and the concrete, again, I totally agree with you. There are many ways to fix that concrete. It's going to be a different color. It's it's going yeah. to be dramatically. So think about it. You know, pretend and you know, go look at that and, you know, figure it out because it's not difficult to get a material to stick, you know, if it's a quarter of an inch or deeper. Yeah. Um, so... That's a that's an aesthetic issue for me. Uh, creaking floors under carpet actually pretty good. You can uh, you can uh, literally uh, fold back the carpet, renail the entire floor. Uh, this is not unusual, even if there were extend you know ter- terrific efforts made. Um, and if you have limited creaks here and there, uh, you can actually uh, put fasteners through the carpet. It takes a little bit of experience, um, but there are people that fix creaks and squeaks. Um, so if you really want to get her done, uh, you can fe- pull, pull back that carpeting, roll it back, and then re-nail that, remove the pads, uh, and, and then reapply the carpet. It's primarily in the doorway areas as opposed to it's not throughout the whole carpet area. It's just in the doorways. Yeah, that's that's worth the effort, I think, Tom, because okay. – uh, and there and it will be, be in front of the kitchen sink. So uh, we experience any place that has a lot of traffic, so it makes perfect sense on the doors. Uh, okay. You know, we'll be with houses that are 40 years old, squeaks coming in from the attached garage door, front door, hallway in front of the sinks and the bathrooms and the kitchen. So, yeah, you kind of anticipate – you know, wear and tear on that. Okay, and then the uh, the pipes and the and the ductwork. Uh, pipe the the pipe has to be opened up. That wall typically needs to be opened up because the pipe is tightly next to a piece of wood framing. Um, uh, we as builders are supposed to uh, fire flash around the pipe. So if there's a fire that starts in between a stud cavity, you know, in between the wall studs, it doesn't spread. Well, the other side of that. So now the plumbers have learned to get a hole saw that's just, you know, a little, little tiny bigger than their plastic drain pipe. Well, the problem is when you put 110, 120 degree water into a plastic waste, it gets longer and then it gets shorter. Like your ductwork, you have the awareness, I'm sure. Uh, So the idea there is you have to cut the wood out bigger so that there's room to slip or basically slide a Teflon gasket, if you will, or some slippery type surface that's, you know, very thin between that PVC waste pipe or DWV drain waste vent and the wood framing. So uh, those are actually, um, you know, it's hard to get somebody to understand what they are, number one. So they're a little invasive on that. Uh, um, And then on the ductwork, you know, that's just hunt and peck. You really uh, oftentimes, and it's not uncommon because the wood shrinks. So when you nail the ductwork up down in the basement, uh, you need access to the ductwork. So if you have a finished basement, you're uh, that's a tough one. I, I don't know how to address that. The ceiling or some access to the ductwork and the fasteners uh, have to be reconnected. But if you think about it, if you drive a nail and ductwork is hung with cleats and nails up into the floor joist, well, 10, 15 years or even two or three years or 12 months on a, a winter like we just had, the wood shrinks and the hole around the shaft of that nail gets bigger. I've wondered, like, well, how, if wood shrinks, why would it squeak? Well, it moves away from the fasteners and then gives that more space to, to move. Um, so there you go. Okay, well, 
thank you very much. I'll let you get on to other callers. Yeah, Tom, good questions. Those are, uh, I compliment your uh, um, understanding of this stuff. Uh, thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, bye. Uh, next up, let's see what's happening here. Let's uh, see what's going on with Jim. Hey, Jim, good afternoon. Welcome to Cam Wax. Hello? Hello, you're on, my friend. Oh, hi, Scott. Great show. Thank you. Hey, got a question about drip edge. I got a part of a roof um, that I want to put some drip edge on that's already installed. Um, just want to double check. It, the drip edge, it needs to be over the ice water membrane and under the underlayment of the shingle roof, correct? Let me think about that. Over yeah, and the then bring it into water. the gutter, right? Uh, yes, that's Because the ice water correct. membrane is already stuck onto the, you know, right along the eave like it's supposed to be, you know? Well, I, ideally, the ice and water lays over the top of the drip edge as well, so that whatever gets past the shingles, the the felt or underlayment hits that ice and water, and off it comes. So once it's already on there, you can't. So I agree with your question. Yes, it would apply over the existing drip edge. Make sure the felt or the substrate under the shingles lays over the top of that as well. Right, and then just uh, just have them caulk or uh, caulk whatever screws or nails that they use to attach the drip edge. Uh, yeah, I did well with your ice and water shield. It doesn't really matter because it should it, be good, right? Yeah, I mean, with that, any penetrations. Yeah, that's the whole wizardry of that stuff. It's so gooey okay. that any fastener goes through. Now, here's another one. Uh, keep in mind uh, if you can create dripping gutter issues because on a very low slope roof. The water, uh, the whole idea on these, uh, you know, like leaf guard gutters and gutter helmet and that is surface adhesion. Slow moving water will adhere and literally follow that contour. Well, drip edge is the same contour. So you can get water dripping and following up that drip edge so that on a low slope roof, there's not a, a severe amount of slope to where the water drips off on the edge. It goes back around up. And if you're not careful, you can actually have not a lot of water, but you can get a lot of water dripping behind your gutter. So when everything's working fine, that's great. But on low slope roofs, watch out for drip edge. More is not better. You follow uh, the concept of that? Oh, of course I do. So good, in, good. That, in that in that category, so in that case, it would just be going behind your gutter against the the, the fascia, right? Or, yeah, so or tuck your gutter up underneath the bottom leg of that drip edge, which uh, is tough to do, or because of the sloping of the gutter, it depends how long the run is and you know how much slope right. you want on it. Or you can flash it. You can literally tuck a piece of brake metal up underneath that drip edge and lap down over the fasteners into the gutter, and then you're okay on every thing except ice crawling up behind that stuff but that's not usually the problem it's usually just rain okay so i mean so you know in a low slope roof it's kind of it doesn't matter what you do basically drip edge or just nothing at all right you can always have some just yeah coming underneath there okay yeah but i i've seen uh people do a real effort to get drip edge in and and then solve one problem and create another so just be aware this is an expectation sort of thing correct okay all right thank you all right, Jim, take care. Bye now. And there you go. It's it's drip edges. For those of you that aren't into roofing, uh, this might have been a gloss over moment for you. But uh, in the world of getting water off the roof, which, you know, for us, even as design, color, and style oriented as we are at, at Mosby, you know, the, the reason this stuff is important to us is no matter how beautiful it is, if it doesn't get the water off, or it doesn't manage moisture, doesn't live healthy, and the building science and the physics behind it are not built into that beautiful something, 
somebody spent a lot of money for an improvement or structure that doesn't work. So I, I call it Builder 101 uh, and in the evolution of our construction industry uh, and the changes in generations. Some of these are, you know, more understand, more understood with current craftsmen um, or the past. But th that's why we at Mosby spend so much time training, um, you know, and if the training is important to you, we're your kind of company. But if the training isn't important uh, and we want and that's where the, the reputation comes from and really the ability to sit here is get that stuff designed and put in the right way. Oh, let's see what's cooking here. How about Anita? Looks like fun. Hey, Anita, Scott here. Good afternoon. How can I help? Uh, thank you for taking my call. I have a 40-gallon hot water heater. It's 10 years old. And when I turn the hot water on, it's so hot that you can't put your hand under it. After four minutes, it cools down to just warm. Mm -hmm. And... I have the heater turned up all the way. It can't go any higher. And uh, I called Maplewood Plumbing, and they came out and said there was nothing wrong with the heater. And it's the cold weather and the cold water that uh, comes in, cools the water down after four minutes. Is that right? Yes, it is. It is. Yes, it is. Have you heard of all these water mains breaking around town too, Anita? Yes, yes. Same thing. The water underground used to be, and I'm just pulling numbers out of the air, mm -hmm. but on a normal winter when it gets way down to 30 degrees, you know, the underground water might be 45 degrees, and I'm just guessing. Mm -hmm. Right. But when it's zero or four below for days on end, that dirt gets colder, the water gets colder, and as it relates to your water heater, a water heater has a design range, a raise range. So if I'm heating from 40 to 90 degrees, I have one capacity water heater. Oh, but if it's if I'm heating it from 50 degrees to, say, 90, the same temp, whatever, mm -hmm. then I can use a, a smaller capacity water heater. Well, we've had such extremes that the water underneath the ground in our water supplies is causing all of those pipes to get shorter. Because the cold, you know, colder contracts, just like our skin. You know, we get cold. And we, so, well, it's happening on the water supply pipes. That's why the brakes are, because the water's getting too cold. So then you pump that water into your house, and that water heater that's very happy in the summertime when the water's 55, 56 degrees, that's typically the constant temp. Well, shoot, 50 degrees to 100, 110 degrees, you know, that's no problem. But when you start out at, at you know, 40 or, you know, really cold, those water heaters, the literal, the, what's called the working range or um, sometimes you have high recovery water heaters, that's where you need uh, you really a different water heater if you're going to live in Alaska or the top of the mountain in Denver mm -hmm. or St. Louis when it's five below. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. That's you. You. Uh, you got a pretty good lesson there. Oh yeah. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. I just couldn't believe what he told me. I thought this doesn't sound right. And I've asked other people, and they looked at me and they said, "No, I don't think so." And he did say if uh, he didn't want to sell me a new water heater, I'd have the same problem. So I yeah. was very happy with that. Well, I'd like, uh, this is another thing. I'm going to get up on my stump a little bit. Um, all water heaters are not created equal. All of them do have a design range. All furnaces do. So uh, if you're putting in a new furnace that 
has a design range of 10 degrees below zero. It's the same thing with air and heating up the house. Uh, or it gets designed at zero degrees. That's a 10, 10 degree difference. Well, that's a smaller unit if you design it for zero degrees than a negative 10 degrees. So being involved in the conversation around water heaters, furnaces, recovery, all of that, because anything that works better generally costs more. And, and it, it, from a consumer standpoint, uh, I like to ask a lot of questions. And generally, if I'm not knowledgeable about that topic, I'm looking for somebody that's comfortable with the information and can explain these things. You know, and I, kudos to Maplewood. They did a good job. You got a pretty knowledgeable guy because... You recommended him. Oh, well, there you go. Imagine that. But there, you know, again, it's it's ethical people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for those of you out there, you're welcome to call our office. We'll refer people. We use these companies all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, we know the ones that are inbounds. We know the ones that are out. We know the ones that used to be inbounds, got sold or something. Now it's different, uh, mm -hmm. all that. So thank you, Anita. And well, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for the call. You've educated a lot of our CAMWAX family, too. Okay, thank you. All right. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. I love this stuff. I, I, I can't help myself. I just love this stuff. Uh, and, and really, from a personal point, you know, why do I do this? Well, I learned most of this stuff from my father. Well, my dad's been gone for a long time. He was a really neat guy. He founded the company. He taught me my trade. He taught me the business, taught me the design build. He actually created uh, the process we use now at Mosby Building Arts. Now, instead of um, one person drawing it, building it, permitting it, and then warranting on a more complex uh, building science world, which is where we are now, or you wouldn't be hearing all these things about rot, mold, mildew, indoor air, all that stuff. It's not just because we make stuff different. It's because we build these structures differently. Anyway, so it's a way that I get to honor my dad right here on CAMWEX. Every, every Saturday, you hear a little bit of Sam Mosby answering your question too. Can't help it. Just comes with the turf. <laughs> Scott Mosby, CAMWEX. Love it, folks. Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Oh, don't you love it? Do you love this weather? Oh, absolutely. This stuff is just awesome. 50 degrees. Uh, Brian Kelly tells me it's going to be a high today of 57 degrees. Tomorrow, a high of 51. Both days, a good bit of sunshine. Not bad, huh? You bet. Also, a little reminder, westbound Highway 70 uh, up by the airport uh, near the Cypress exit has had a backup. Not sure the status of that yet, but if there's another way to miss it, then you can. Also, Highway 100 near Highway O, a little bit of a backup there. So if you're planning your day and your route, perhaps consider other options. Go back to the phones and let's speak with Rick. Hello, Rick. Scott Mosby in the afternoon. How can I help? Thanks, uh, Mr. Mosby. Thank you and uh, KMOX for this wonderful service. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I've got a the fascia or the soffit board that's behind the gutter. I've got a corner that's bad. It, it's not very uh, much of an area, but you know, right in the corner. Uh -huh. What's a guy? What's a guy do? Is uh, that something I can handle? 
Uh, it, it depends. There's two different expectations. Uh, Rick, the proper way to do it is pull the gutter off, pull the ba- the gutter board off, which would be 10 or 12 feet long. Uh, look at the structure and make sure the reason at the end is it's probably by a downspout. So the water would overflow, b- block up whatever gets inside that uh, overhang or above that roof shingle and it starts to rot out the wood. So if you've got a rotted gutter board, you know, I'm an old medical, you know, EMT sort of guy. So you like bear the wound. I want to know how bad it is. Um, so if you can get up underneath there from by removing the soffit below, get a sense of whether there's rotted structure in that tail of the rafter or, you know, the, the framing behind that gutter board. See what it is. Uh, do you have an open or closed soffit? Can you see the underside of the plywood on the roof? Oh, well, yes and no. I, I know that uh, in this instance, it's a long story, but we had, uh, we had some hail damage. Uh-huh. And so the gutter was replaced, and the gutter was causing the problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, the, you know, I, it's not very unlikely that the rafter has any, uh, or that, you know, because the soffit is good. Okay. Uh, all, that, all that. It's just that, that gutter board right in the corner. Uh, yeah. Is the problem well? If it's if so. you're if you're satisfied, and this gets to an expectations, how good is good enough? Uh, you can actually cut you know a two <laughs> two and a half foot section. You you pull the fasteners off the gutter, so the gutter's kind of swinging in the wind. You have to go back further than that three feet because what you have to do is bend that gutter slightly away from the face of that gutter board, so you're holding it. You know, we'll prop a small block up so that the you know just for room to work. Uh, typically, yeah. get a reciprocating cordless saw and. Yeah. You know, you're you're doing surgery here. It sounds gross, but it's some pretty fine stuff. You can poke holes in that gutter pretty easily, um, and saw through. You have to get it as plumb as you can uh, because uh-huh. you, that new board has to match it. And basically, cut off the old one uh, if possible. Use it for a pattern. Um, the better the saw cut is on that vertical. Uh, reciprocating saw, the better the finished job is on that. Uh, the issue then becomes how do you secure the gutter board from the backside? And this is where you need access from either pull the gutter board off or underneath the overhang. You can put blocks alongside the rafter tails. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's not my first choice, but at least your fasteners can go through. And man, be careful. Um, you know, I've, I've seen, I've given this instruction before and go gone out and the homeowner ran screws through the backside of their gutter. So it's like, you know, be careful. The length of the fasteners counts and the size of the blocks. It's, it's, yeah. it's, um, uh, it's a simple topic with op- opportunities to mess it up in many ways, but yeah, you can screw it yeah. from the backside. Yeah, that makes sense. Now I understand. So if I, you know, make a little room there on, so I, my, uh, yeah. I don't have to be exact on the joist or the, the rafter to, uh, to catch that. Yes, and, and if you have a brake metal, a bent metal uh, on that, you can slide that back because you can get that brake metal behind that gutter pretty easily and cover that, that kerf uh, from the vertical saw recip um, cut. You follow that? Yes, I do. Yep. I do. Wonderful. Thank you very much for the time. All right, Rick. Good luck, my friend. It's a good day to do yeah. some work. Yeah, <laughs> it's gorgeous. Thanks, <laughs> Scott. Bye. Bye now. Uh, next up, let's talk to Ann. Hey, Ann, Scott here. Good afternoon, KMOX. How can I help? Hi there, Scott. Yeah, I have a uh, single control shower faucet, <clears throat> which was getting to be really hard to pull out. Yeah. And we, you know, lived with that for a while. And then um, it started leaking. 
So I put a little cup under it, had it that like that for a while. Then it started leaking really bad. So I had a plumber come in, mm-hmm. and he put in a new um, single control cartridge. And thank the Lord, it came out easily. Uh, well, yeah. he said it was a, there was a little bit of calcium buildup, but it came out. And so now, I've when I started using it, of course, it comes out really easily. Mm-hmm. But the hot is now on the the hot water is now on the cold side and the cold water is now on the hot side. Oh no, you have to move out of the house. <laughs> no, that, uh, uh, that there are, I I've got some smiles in these listeners. <laughs> he he put the cartridge in backwards and and believe me, it is really easy to do. It it it's, you know, is it theater or theater? Well, the the cartridge that he put in lubed up, did a masterful job of pulling it out and all that. All it is, just call him back and say, tell him this, and it, it, he just got it in backwards. That's it. Is that all it is? That's all and, it is. Yep. And if, if we wanted to keep it like that, it wouldn't be a great shake, or should we have him change it back? Well, I would change it back because uh, if you have a house guest, uh, you know, know. you know, so I'm I'm a big one for standardization and expectations. (laughs) Luxury to me is is certainly on a hot shower. If I turn it on, I expect it to be what I'm expecting. You know, otherwise I'm jumping out the window with, you know, 20 degree water. Whoa. So, yeah, I would fix it. When I first used it, I thought, oh, boy, now we just I was turning it and turning. It wasn't turning hot on the cold. On the hot side, it was colder, colder. And then I said, well, let me turn it the other way. And sure enough, that the hot, then he also said that, the, you know, the cylinders they made before were all a metal. Mm-hmm. And now um, the inner part is metal, but the outer part is plastic, which he said that's true of a lot of parts in a lot of different mechanisms and machines. They've gone to plastic. But he said perhaps... That is more helpful because maybe the calcium doesn't build up as badly on these on the cylinder. I would agree, agree with, with that? it. Oh yeah, yeah. And and you know, all water isn't created equal because you know some of it comes out of water wells and it might pick up a little bit of this and a little bit of that, which might react with copper pipes or brass faucet bodies. So we see all sort. You know, just like you and I, we eat cheeseburgers, we eat steaks, and then we eat French fries. All that stuff winds up on the inside of our arteries and our veins. But it's not all the same stuff. It just has the same net effect of plugging up where the water or the blood moves. So, yeah, you know, I totally agree. We're seeing a lot more in plastics. There are ways to cheapen a product by using plastic, and there are ways to improve. And usually, the again, the research and development to figure out which plastic separates the, the good from the bad. So, yep. Right. So it's no great shakes. He just comes and pulls that cylinder out. Yeah, I, I think he'll laugh and he'll say, oh, I'm, I am know exactly, you know, because anybody that's put these things in or changed them, they've done it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Okay. And yeah, no no worries. Give him a call. And uh, just remember, once he turns it around, it, you know, the hot's on the left and the cold's on the right again. That's right. That's right. All <laughs> right. Thanks so much, Scott. All right. Bye now. Bye. There you go. And sometimes it's just interpreting the language of repairs, maintenance, and construction. Yep. You know, all of you out there that have never made a mistake, raise your hand. Come on. (laughs) You bolt. Come on. He who's without sin may cast the first stone. Yeah, we're all in that. Yeah. 
We're all in that troop. <laughs> well, I'm here making your mistakes for you, telling you how it works right here on CamoX. I love it. I hope you're having as much fun as I am. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, Scott Mosby offering answers to all your questions. Even some of the answers occasionally match the questions. Yeah, yeah. let's go to the phones, talk to George. Hey, George, Scott Mosby here. How can I help? Hey, Scott, I've got two uh, hose bibs outside by the garage. Uh Uh-huh that I replaced last year with um, uh, brass fittings. Now, the water was turned off, but still the cold was so bad it broke them. Yeah. So I went to replace them, and I did replace them. But I I couldn't. I wanted to get galvanized instead of brass again. Couldn't find galvanized anywhere. Yeah. Any, any ideas where I went Home Depot, Lowe's, nobody had them. Uh, you could try you could try a wholesale plumbing supply, but generally uh, the galvanized because it's a water thing, uh, and some of that is galvanized on the inside. The zinc and some of the metals in a galvanized uh, pipe or hose bib uh, is just not good. So I think you're going to find uh, brass bodies where the galvanized. I think you're going to have a really hard time finding a hose bib made galvanized because I think the manufacturing process is much more costly to make than galvanized, uh, number one. And then, you know, number two, I think there's a health issue with it, kind of lead in the, you know, the galvanized. Oh, this lead. Oh, yeah, oh. zinc is part lead. So I think it gets to the okay. no lead in the solder, no lead in the plumber and, you know, plumbing pipes and all that on and on. All right. So I really have no choice but to go ahead and put those uh, brass ones back on. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you have room to put an antifreeze hose bib on out there? Do you know what I mean? You no, know, I didn't. That, yeah, I do. I saw those. Uh, that's probably a good idea. I didn't do that. Yeah, that's now, a good idea. Yeah, the ticket there is you have to have enough depth because those things stick inside the house by a good distance. And in the garage, you've got to be between there and the and the basement to do it and in a warm part of the basement for those oh, to be effective. Okay. So, okay. If, yeah, if you're just going from one part of the garage to the other and they're both unheated, the antifreeze won't do you any good. Okay. Yeah, good idea. Very good. All right, Thank Mr. George. Much. Thanks. Bye now. Next up, let's see what's happening here with my friend D. Hey, D. Scott here. How can I help? Yes. Uh, a few years ago, they did some lattice uh, on my, um, uh, um, what is it, um, um, in the yard and changed the flow of my um, water. Mm-hmm. And after living here many years, I had to put in a sub pump after they finished that. Yeah. And I hate the sub pump. Uh, and uh, they, I have a battery on the sub pump in case my electricity goes out. Okay. And then it beeps. But I've gone down my basement, and my electricity has, hasn't gone off, and it still beeps. And I press a couple of buttons, and it goes into um, battery charging. Mm-hmm. And eventually, a few hours later, it comes on okay. Now, does a battery charge every so often, even if it doesn't go off? Uh, yes, it does, but batteries get old. They need to be replaced about every three years. So you may be uh, experiencing a worn-out uh, sump pump battery backup battery that's at the end of its life, 
And when you force it for a big, you know, pr press the button, uh, it then takes a full charge, but then likely returns to the beeping and the failure mode pretty quickly. So then you say when it happens too often, I, I mean, the people have been wonderful taking care of it for me, but I hate that thing. Yeah, and, I know. I know what you mean. And and when it goes off, it worries me, and my electricity hasn't gone off. Yeah. Well, keep in mind that all the electric from Ameren comes in, goes through your battery, and then to the sump pump. So if the battery is faulty, worn out, or weak, it's not working. So that's and then the beeps tell you, hey, it's not working. The beeps don't tell you why it's not working. But I would ask them to change that battery. Uh huh. Okay. Or, or at least explore that. Uh huh. Well, yeah. thank you. Uh, and I I wish I didn't have to have it. <laughs> Well, it, it's better than the water in the house. We've done the dance. It's a process of elimination, grade the yard, get it to flow away. Then during saturating rainfall, you know, then you're onto the drain top. So I think you've done the right things, but, you know, you just don't like the answer. But nonetheless, it's an inconvenient answer. But it's an so, answer. In other words, every three or four years, I should have them put in a new battery. Yep, that's the plan. Okay, thank you very much. All right, Dee. See you next week, folks.